by Playfair Capital. Rethink the way you live and work. Bonjour et bienvenue sur Le Chesspit, le podcast où trois gars parlent d'échecs de temps en temps. Je m'appelle John McKenzie et je suis accompagné de mon bon ami Phil Makepeace. Salut. Et de mon autre bon ami, Bonjour Porto. Bonjour. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm done with the French. Ça va, ça va, ça va, ça va bien, Jean. Ça va bien. Oui, oui. I don't know how you say how the hell are you doing, chaps, in French. Well, I mean, FIDES, Fédération Internationale des Échecs, right? So you know, it's fair that we we promote French to be the 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 main languages of of chess. Yeah, it is the the main language of chess, of course. But how the hell are we doing? We have Benji with us. Benji, you. you're on again. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Could you tell what I was saying in the intro? Uh, yeah, 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 of course. Uh, do I have to repeat? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, thanks thanks for uh, for um, uh, having me. Uh, I'm kind of like, I know there's been a lot of uh, podcast chess crossover recently, and uh, I'm, I'm getting, uh, uh, yesterday I was actually co-hosting uh, the Chess Dojo, so um, um, I'm not a traveling co-host, maybe. Um, it was actually a great episode, uh, so... Um, where we talked, I, we interviewed uh, with Kostya, a researcher about uh, mental fatigue. So, uh, you know, tune to um, this on your favorite uh, podcast feed. Um, uh, of course, if you download the Chess Dojo, also leave a review for the Chess Pit. Um, and <laughs> um, yeah, that that was that was great. Speaking of mental fatigue, Phil, how are you? You you are jet lagged currently i was jet lagged i think i'm good now if we'd recorded it on normal day yesterday i mean i was i was actually planning so what we do is we normally record at a time when i was probably just about going to be able to get back for but i wasn't sure so i had this little plan john where i was going to let you and robin get on with it and then i was just going to come and like gorilla in at some point and just sneak <laughs> into the conversation maybe half an hour into your recording and that could have been quite a fun thing however we are recording on a different day and i think it's good that we've got three people because yeah uh it's nice to have benji on but yeah i've spent the last two and a half weeks gadding around the the us and i have a bit more to say about that later and uh talking of chess cross chess podcast crossover events i had one of my own on saturday morning which was quite fun so yeah maybe we'll get to that or do you want me to talk about it now i don't know yeah why not let's talk about it now let's talk about what happened in the u.s so yeah i had this planned for a few years and just going doing a little tour of friends and old friends and friends are new in the states and i what i did in the spring of 2021 was a lot of zoom chess courses where yeah, they were very heavily subscribed from the States in particular. And I've, yeah, I've, since then, and I've been kept in touch with a few of them. And so I saw people in Chicago and New York for uh, this. Rachel Syme, uh, who came on the podcast in December 2020, unfortunately was not well when I was due to meet her. So that one didn't happen. But I've met, yeah, three, three of my former students uh maybe they'll become current students again who knows but 
yeah, it was just lovely. I had a week in California before Chicago, and then another week in New York after that. And I saw in Philadelphia on Saturday morning Mr. Ben Johnson of Perpetual Chess Podcast fame, and we had a lovely uh, couple of hours just uh, vibing over over some uh, Belgian beer and um, and brunch items. And yeah, it was lovely. Weirdly. So what happened, he, he had to leave at about 1pm. I was then sort of on my own for a bit and just did a little wander, took in the, the Museum of Art with the rocky steps and all of that, and then walked back round. And then at 4pm, I just bumped into him in the street, as you do. Like, I, mean, I don't know what the population of Philly is or what the chances were of me just bumping into Ben again in the street at 4pm. But uh, we did, and I, I helped him get a parking meter ticket doobie. Uh, but yeah, it was just a really lovely trip, and it's it's. I'm very glad I did it, but I'm also glad to be back. Um, though having said that, in the last two and a half weeks since I've been away, nobody now seems to be wearing a mask at all in London, whereas it's very heavily mandated in the states still, and it was a bit of a shock. I don't know about you if you've noticed this, guys, but nobody seems to be taking it seriously at, at all anymore. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, the the mask uptake is is pretty poor in London, especially compared to to France. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean to me, I I don't think it's like really a new development over the last months or so. I think it's been uh, it's been like this for a little while. But yeah, America, yeah. it's it's probably that you're just not allowed on a train without one. They will stop you. And yeah, it's. Uh, I, I will. I will say I was in Brooklyn when the shooting happened. Actually, that was. Uh, I was staying in Brooklyn. That was slightly weird on Tuesday morning, just to be woken up by helicopters and then not really know what was happening for an hour. And then the, I found out via the BBC News alert. But uh, I was a few miles away, and uh, that was. That was. That wasn't the best. The best morning. To be around mm. that incident. I don't think they've caught the guy yet. You say. Um Ben Johnson of chess fame. Well, I actually just meandered onto the Wikipedia entry for uh, Ben Johnson. Well, Disambiguation the, the page. Drug for... sheet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a few of them, isn't there? So, yeah. Ben Johnson, the, the famous drug cheat. And without the um, H, it's an author. Right. Yeah, Ben Johnson. With there's a lot of sportsmen named Ben Johnson or Benjamin Johnson or Benny Johnson. Um there's actually a footballer at the moment called Ben Johnson, who was born in 2000, plays for West Ham. People okay. may know of him. Um, there's a few Auss- Aussie rules footballers. There's a few American football footballers. Tight ends, no, la- no less. Tight ends. <laughs> no one likes a tight end. Um, baseball, sprinting, other sports. There's some in government. Uh, yeah, there's there's lots of Ben Johnsons. Uh, so it's um, important for us to disambiguate, as Wikipedia encourages us. But um, you mentioned as well your students or former students. Are they still playing chess? Yeah, uh, some of them. So I did these yeah courses with them, and yeah, they're they're sort of carrying on, but not. I don't think they're taking it massively seriously. But that's okay. Uh, they got something out of out of lockdown. And if they, gonna, I mean, the whole point of the the whole purpose of the trip wasn't to go and check up on them, you know, just go. Why, why aren't you playing? 
uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just get out and whip out a chessboard and just start start berating them for having not practiced over the last year. Nah, it's, it was uh, really really lovely. But yeah, I just had um had a few few days out with these with these people and. Uh, if I if you were listening to this and I've taught you in the past and you would like a visit, just let me know. I'll probably have time at some point to come and visit you wherever you are. In terms of chess culture, did you get to experience much in the US or was it? I was going to try to go to the Manhattan Club, or the Marshall Club in Manhattan even, uh, but they just seemed to be having loads of tournaments and I just kind of didn't, uh, I don't know, it, it, it didn't really feel like uh, something that was would give me that much uh, by way of cultural capital i don't know maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe it's good but yeah i didn't really see anything in chicago either um california is just a dearth of chess culture i think everyone's just too busy walking their dog but, <laughs> yeah I had, the I had a lovely time yeah nice um and yeah and obviously as you say you are allergic to tournament chess at the moment benji are you playing much at the moment not really no, not really. Um, I've kind of like uh, stopped playing Blitz and Bullet and just like do a little bit of uh, calculations and puzzles. So I've been just focusing on that because, yeah, um, you know. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. Uh, it's everything else has been super busy for me. Uh, so, you know, playing over the board has, has kind of like um, uh, taken a back seat, but, you know, not not quitting in any way. It's just just the stars haven't haven't aligned. But uh, yeah, hearing about Phil's um, US trip reminds me that uh, uh, our own like chess pit uh, pod mm. trip to Paris was postponed, and uh, we definitely have to um, to to kick the the gears to um, to get this going again. We do, and in terms of chess culture, there, I'm hoping there's going to be a bit for us to sort of hunt out in Paris is that, there's is that some, right there's some dead guys aren't there some dead guys we can find in, in various cemeteries I believe there's, there's some dead guys and um, there's <laughs> uh, they also have their own like fully dedicated uh, chess bar slash cafe uh, the Blitz Society uh, which I've, nev- I've never had the opportunity to, to go to yet but uh, um, you know there's you see regularly on Twitter people posting photos from there and uh Looks like really a lovely place run by lovely people. So, looking forward to um, to check that out. Again, if you're listening to us from Paris, Gay Paris, you can, we can uh, I'm sure we can get some other chess recommendations for when when we go there. Because I'm, I'm I'm sure there are there is quite a lot more than even our our French expert here knows. Oh, I would like to go along to a chess bar. That kind of sounds cool to me. I'm surprised there aren't any in London. Actually, I think we maybe talked about this before, but well, do you not think that that would be a that would be a fairly profitable exercise? There's stuff happening. There's this new um, the London what are they called like the London Chess Community. The London there's some new guys that are doing things in pubs. I'm, I'm going to go along next Wednesday to one in North London, uh, so I'll do a little sort of chess pit dispatches from there. Uh, I can't remember what they're called, but yeah, they they seem to be getting lots of, just sort of making normalising pub chess, I guess. But it's not a chess specific bar, but yeah, I think that's um, that's a good thing. And I, I, ah, I can't remember what they're called, but yeah, um, they just um, they got something in near Caledonia Road, which is near Kings Cross, happening on 
on Wednesdays, which I'm going to nip along to next week once uh, once I'm not jet lagged. Hmm. We should also actually talk about your recent endeavours in the film world. <laughs> yes, um, it's been fun. Yes, yeah, so I I've completely forgotten this because of the pandemic. Like I did this like chess consultancy for the new Morbius film, where I designed some game for them, some positions to sort of represent, you know, uh, very actual chess, actual chess, actual real proper chess, uh, to sort of I don't know syllogism and all these words that have G in them. Um, I did that in early 2019 and then obviously the film was delayed because of the pandemic and some other reasons and I just completely forgotten that it was coming out and then I went to see the Batman and saw yeah the uh the trailer for it like oh maybe I got it because I, I like requested a sort of credit um and then someone saw it and sent me the the, the picture of the of my name in the credits next to um, Adam Rutherford, the geneticist. We we appear next to each other in the um, he was the genetics consultant, and I, I kind of wish they they mixed us up in a way. I think that'd be quite cool <laughs> to have genetics consultant next to uh, my name. But yeah, uh, from is there I a g- big genetics aspect to Mor- Morbius? Yeah, the whole point is that it's about yeah someone who's trying to find a way to cure some big blood illness so hmm. yeah and then uh, it's Jared Leto and Matt Smith just vibing for some, two hours some big blood illness okay. yeah I mean I, I don't know I, I, I can see why I you weren't the genetic uh, <laughs> consultant I haven't seen it um, I, I don't know but yeah it's um, it's something that was quite fun to to sort of request a picture of once I got wind of me being in the credits so yeah um, I don't have an IMDB credit maybe you have to make your own I don't know so I'm <laughs> going to investigate that because there is a there is a Philippa make piece who does some kind of other stuff but there's there's no me yet some kind of blood disease stuff I'm sure <laughs> um, speaking of chess in culture I've recently binged series 2 of Bridgerton, don't judge me. Right, um, and there are a few there are a few chess scenes in that actually. That none of them are central, uh, but there are drawing room clips where there is a chess board out. And I, I'll be honest, I didn't actually look at the board, but I might go back and actually look and see if they are potentially feasible positions. <clears throat> Do it, because yeah, we need some yeah. more things to complain about. This has been this has been far too. For when Robin returns, Robin can get on his come off his long run about the positions in Bridgerton I think that would be <laughs> well, it's, a good, it's a good question isn't it because like, it's, Bridgerton is like a fairly big series right it's a Netflix series uh, a lot of people watch it there's a lot of money in it so do you reckon that they paid for a chess consultant you would have thought so right uh, possibly I mean is it is it produced by Netflix or is it yeah I think it's a Netflix so maybe production. they maybe they got the same guy as, as in the Queen's Gambit who was that that was was that that was someone quite big um, who did the yeah, consultancy was... on Queen's Gambit? Yeah. So you'd assume so. Have a look at the credits next time. Yeah, I'll, I'll check those out and I'll I'll maybe have a look quickly after this to try and find the the actual board positions. I think one of them was just at the very beginning of a game, so there wasn't really much to it. But there's definitely one which is in the middle of a game, which I might just sort of have a look at 
later on. But do you, do you, do you think that there's um, the possibility for you to go into a sort of broader consultancy role in culture? Um, this is what you need to do, Phil. Yeah. You need to become the chess consultant for films and series. Well, this is it. I mean, you don't need to be an amazing player to be able to do this. You just need to have a, a reasonable understanding of what they, the person, what you're told to do, I guess. I mean, is that consultancy? Just being told to do something and then doing it? My experience of consultancy is it's usually people who are very good at conning other people out of money. So right. if I'm, you can I'm, do that, then... I mean, that seems to be something I could do. Or I could yeah. get my teeth into... Uh, there's some, someone who... Um, <laughs> they, they found out I was a chess coach and then suggested that I was um, therefore very conniving and uh, yeah that, that that makes sense Bonji what do you reckon I mean you've you've, uh, you've enlisted me before for things am I am I uh, am I a big con artist no quite the opposite I think um, but <laughs> you know I was thinking in in movies usually chess is there shoehorned as a metaphor for like strategy and and like you know struggle and it's like um well uh, usually the 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 struggle and the misery is pretty much with yourself rather than with another player um but uh, i wondered in 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 these series and and movies what it was uh uh used for Hmm. well in bridgerton obviously it's an 1880s sort of georgian um uh period drama you know sort of drawing room um drawing room dalliances and balls and stuff it would like be that. the resigning so, room if you were playing yeah <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> too many drawers isn't there in rooms <laughs> i've always said that <laughs> what we need is some winning rooms yeah um but yeah so obviously there it's sort of i think in in that sort of series it stands it it, it acts as a metaphor for sort of you know decadence and and boredom and idleness and not having anything to do so yeah interesting to see um those, those chessboards but i can't remember the first time i watched the series one so I'd, i have no recollection really of looking out for chessboards in that but obviously now whenever i see a chessboard in any sort of uh, you know cultural artifact i'm always like oh that's interesting. I know that um our good friend Tom Lawrence is is one for sort of looking at positions on boards in in cultural um phenomena and 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 sort of judging whether or not they're sensible or not. But um yeah, it is it is fascinating how they are used in that way. Okay, so I've got a board up from Bridgerton now. Oh, nice. And that was easy. I think it's oh my have I just dot the table the completely the wrong way around? I'm just looking. Yeah. Uh, the board's the wrong way around. Yeah, the dark squares in the bottom right-hand corner. Oh dear! So they've got what this this you you will have seen it. Obviously, it's the one with the, where it's got a board that is just takes up the entire table, but yeah. therefore it just depends which way you put around the table, and they put the table around the wrong way, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense because if you look at it, I'll, I'll put this on our Twitter. Um, it makes absolutely zero sense to have this table the wrong way around because tables normally the drawers on them like in it are at the front and the back not at the sides as they've got here so they've just completely yeah this is awful 
fudged it. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if you noticed when you were away, but when the first leg of the Champions League match between um, Pep Guardiola and um, Diego Simeone was played, I think it was Bleacher Report put out a chess. You know, you know, every once in a while, those media companies put out like a chess graphic where where they sort of suggest that this is going to be a presumably again strategic game played between two geniuses um, and there was a few interesting things on there so um, one they had the board the wrong way around the classic but it was made even worse even more egregious by the fact that they actually had the numeration on the board as well oh, wow. so the, the board was clearly the wrong way around because the numbers were facing sideways to the way that the players were playing um, but there's also like some other really weird things. There was like a pawn on the back rank um, for for Diego Simeone. Um, Pep Guardiola had three queens on the board, I think, and um, Simeone had decided to go on a king walk, um, and and Guardiola was was knocking his king over in the centre of the board with one of his three queens. Uh, and I did remark that you know Simeone seems like the last manager in the world who would actually take his king for a walk when the opponent had three three queens on the chessboard so yeah yeah there's absolutely no way this position in Bridgerton has had a consultant no way it's just okay. nonsense oh, why, well. why is it nonsense well because the board's the, the wrong way round and the position. king and the queen are the wrong way round and it's just <laughs> and the position is just complete garbage it's, it's, it's like they're playing drafts on it but they're not but uh. so presumably what's happened is some some costumer has brought in a chess table and they've thrown the pieces on there and they've been like try and make it look like you're playing a game move a few of the pieces around well this is it like i've, I've um given there's a 50 percent chance of getting the board orientation correct it's amazing how it's always <laughs> it, it, it seems to always be wrong you know <laughs> yeah it's like the what is it your your favorite or even a blind squirrel or a squirrel eventually <laughs> finds a nut <laughs> yeah well maybe it's just confirmation bias but um, there is obviously the bigger question of whether or not this matters at all. Like, is obviously it doesn't matter, right? On on one level, but I guess when you're spending so long on a set like Bridgerton, where they clearly put a lot of effort into like reinventing an era and and thinking about the the costuming and whatever, it does seem like a, a little bit of an oversight to just bash out a chessboard and just chuck stuff on it, right? Or maybe I'm just being too expectant benji what do you think i don't know i have i have no uh, experience of um of uh, filmmaking but it's probably like there's maybe one person in the crew that's kind of like you know plays a little bit on his on his mobile phone and it's like oh yeah i can set up something and uh you know they're <laughs> just like all right just let's do it and probably think it's it's a detail that doesn't matter too much i don't know yeah but i've, I've never seen the series so I, you, I mean, when you see a when you see a board set up incorrectly, Benji, do you care? Uh, it's like, oh, uh, okay. Um, I mean, it, it depends. It depends what um, what um, what what it's about, right? Like, if it's just a scene, uh, if if people want to make the more people want to like you know make a big deal out of like what chess represents in the scene or the movie, then. The more I think it, uh, it's fair game to scrutinize and, and criticize if it's like uh, wrongly wrongly said, right? Yeah, but I mean, I'd I'd quite like it if if the uh, a board being set up wrong was like proof of someone being an unreliable narrator, something like that. Mm. So this where it's put in and someone you go, 
ooh, ooh, I don't trust them. They can't set up a chessboard correctly. Or, I don't know, they... Something like that, whereas it just seems to be something that's just used as a... As John says, as a metaphor for... Well, shite. And then... <laughs> <laughs> they just get it horribly wrong, and it just... It just uh, I don't know. There are probably other... There's probably other podcasts with, like... Where they're talking about the 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 length of the guy's coat, and again they possibly <laughs> they wouldn't have worn a wouldn't have worn a long coat like that in those days. You know, yeah. It's that kind of thing. We we pick on the chest, other people pick on the drapes. One of those, one of those famous costuming podcasts that are out there yeah. that scrutinises film in great detail. There probably is. I mean, there are I enough, think there this are enough week was in the world. Th- th- this week was a big anniversary for Bend It Like Beckham. Um, I think it may have been twenty. Fifth, or something totally scary. No, that must be too much. Twenty, twenty, yeah, it must be. Must be two thousand. Which is still crazy, right? Um, But actually, because there was a lot of football media outlets that have nothing better to do, there was there was definitely um, there was definitely more stuff around floating around on the internet. And there's a few things that I wanted to say about that. One of them is that they showed a tactics board that was used in the film. And it's just it's just utterly hilarious, just the the way that the, the Irish dude who's the coach draws the tactics. So he has like a, he has a fairly sensible, I guess it's a four four two. I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's there's just lines on it that just like nonsense. So it's got like rotating lines between the two centre backs as though the two centre backs are just going to swap places in in possession and stuff. Uh, and then in terms of the two strikers, the the two arrows, like usually, you obviously would have the arrows going forward down the line if you wanted them to attack, and they and they're crossing. So it's also like the again the the left hand sided striker should attack the right, and the right hand sided striker should attack the left. And then on the on the right hand side, I noticed that the the I think it's the 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 right back and the the right winger and the right sided centre back are all expected to make bombing runs down the line um, in possession as well. So. Um, and and I do think that there's plenty of times when football has been used in films and it's just awful. It's just almost always awful, right? Because because of the expectation that, that if you want something like realism, you're just going to get it absolutely nowhere near close when you're using actors and not professional footballers. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess the, the same thing is, 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 is maybe true of... Bend it like Beckham. Like to the extent of to, to what extent can you do a football movie if the football in it doesn't really make people? It's just about suspending your disbelief, isn't it? It's, yeah. you, you've got to get you've got to get people aware of the fact that football is being played without them being so focused on the football being terrible that it detracts from from the actual story itself. Right? I mean, it sounds like how Wickham play, to be honest with you. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a really good book called From Ballam to Bollywood which is about um, some amateur actors who are also amateur cricketers going and starring in a cricket film in Bollywood because they needed to uh, represent um, some, some white players uh, in, a, in a match over there. And, yeah, the, the, they goes, that book goes through the process of them being... Um, what about cast? I was going to say recruited. I guess it's the same thing, but, yeah, <laughs> cast in this film in the first place based on their both their cricket and the cricketing ability and acting ability. Sort of had to be reasonable players to to make it look decent, and yeah, their trip out there and how how the, the process of that being filmed was, and it's very interesting. Um, Is there any famous f- cricket films? 
feels like it feels like a bit of a lacuna there doesn't it in terms of you know there's football films and there's like US sports films yeah but not many cricket films out there's there. a couple of rugby ones there's the what's the recent one with um uh, this with yeah the Matt Damon what's it called the Springboks one as yeah. well isn't it that one with Matt Damon is it Matt Damon I think it's Matt Damon playing is he not Matt, Matt Damon or the other one who looks just like him is it not Matt Damon playing um uh Francois Pienaar Invictus potentially Invictus it's called I think Invictus yeah there's also right, the yeah. best sport, the best sporting film ever in terms of just everything is this sporting life in my opinion and that's got that's the rugby league film with uh Richard uh, At- Richard Atten- no Richard What's his name? Richard Harris. Um, <laughs> Richard Attenborough. <laughs> Presumably a long time ago. Well, yeah, it was, it was, it was 1961. Uh, so, okay. yeah, it was, uh, I'll let you off there. Yeah, this sporting life, uh, which had uh, I think one of the early, one of the early Doctor Who's playing playing someone in it, like maybe uh, Bill Hartnell, I think, playing Dad, like the scout, the rugby league scout, and the, the rugby league action in that is great. And they had like proper players from the time playing in that film. Escape to Victory is the other one, right? That's just terrible. Where you've got uh, Pele, Pele, and whoever is it, Michael Caine, and yeah, it's, it's what's his name, Stallone, isn't it? Isn't he? And um, Bobby Moore. I'm pretty sure Bobby Moore's in it. Yeah. Escape to Victory is pretty. Uh... So it's Mike, Are there any yeah. famous French sporting movies, Bonji? That's a good question. Um... Chess-wise, there there were um, there's one that I haven't seen uh, with um, now. Now, if I get it wrong, uh, that's going to be pretty bad. But I think with a famous actor, um, and uh, I think it's about one of the world championships. Uh, I'm not sure if it's about inspired by Fischer Spassky, um, and there is. Um, Actually, talking about chess and chess consultant, there was this um, on chess Twitter. Yosha Iglesias last week posted uh, was uh, uh, she was consultant for um, this movie called Le Tournoi, the tournament, which is like a chess movie, and uh, that got like quite uh, quite a buzz on uh, on Twitter. Like uh, a, a clip was posted, and uh, you know, um, nine hundred likes and uh, like a mini thread about. Um, um, that movie, and uh, yeah, I think that that movie is it's it's uh, it's really good. It's uh, I think uh, in terms of like chess um, chess accuracy, um, especially uh, so obviously it's about like chess players, so uh, everything's spot on. Uh, and for the f- days like a grand finale game, right, as you do in sports movie. Um, <laughs> and um, this was actually composed by, I think, uh, a GM uh, Fabian Libizievsky. Uh and and so it's a very sp- like you know spectacular open Sicilian game that uh, uh, he, he clearly put like a lot of effort into. Like, okay, it, the, the g- it's not like the, the 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 game the moves are central, but even though people are not gonna focus on what's on the moves on the board, the attention was put into really. Uh, producing something unique for that uh, for that movie. Did uh, Queen's Gambit get hyped in France? Were there a lot of people watching it there? I think it it did well everywhere. Uh, definitely. Um, well, I know that the the audience um, already on Twitch and YouTube. I mean, the the French chess community is huge. Um, 
there's a, a, a Kevin Body Blitzstream uh, shootout to to them. Um, uh, the audiences are, are massive uh, in terms of like French-only broadcast. I don't think there's any other language beside English that pulls that many uh, uh, viewers to like you know chess games. Uh, is putting is putting so much effort into um, uh, making the uh, the broadcast lively. You know, uh, you know they're supporting MVL, Firouja, and so on. Of course, like all the French players. Uh, but um, yeah, it's definitely a, a very vibrant community, and and Queen's Gambit plus Pandemic, you know, really resonated as everywhere in the world. Mm. I'm I'm aware that we've uh, not even done the second item on our our running order. Uh, I'm not even looking at the running order. That's how <laughs> that's how off the wall I am. So, what I think I'll do, if it's okay, I'll do the Rookbusters now. To give you guys a few minutes before we finish, and then we'll run down some of news items that we've collated. Normally, this happens at the beginning. We just went straight into the chest, which is fine. This is uh, this is what what we do, isn't this? We do talk about chess occasionally, to be fair. Well, yeah, um, it's uh, French. French, you put the verb at the end sometimes, right? I mean, this is this is just flipping it. Um, okay, so and that's German. I'm thinking of, isn't it? Germany put the verb at the end. Anyway, we're doing a yeah. Germanic chess pit today. So, uh, Rookbusters today. Yeah, they are two French chess terms. So Benji has got a better chance of this, but I, I don't know. Maybe um, maybe John has a can do it in. After Robbins last week, I'm not sure I'm going to ever get a Rookbuster again. So well, you can do it inductively, right? I mean, because the 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 the, um, the formation of the clue is in English. So we'll see. Anyway. Okay. The first century, as in with an S, S E N T R Y. The first century, and your letter there is G. So these, this is a chess term in French. And then the second one, a real mouthful. A real mouthful, and that is T. So the first century, G and a real mouthful tea. You've got the rest of the, not long, but the rest of the episode to solve those and we'll come back to them in a bit. Um, News-wise, we've got some, yeah, bits and pieces. So first thing we should talk about is the uh, two women's events that were held, uh, the norm events that were held last week in London. And this was the, f- the, f- the one that mainly featured the uh, English players was uh, the She Plays to Win International. And that was won by yet another Van Forest, Machteld Van Forest, who is 15, I think, or 14 or 15 years old. And she won that. She's already rated 2200. And she... She related? She's, she's her younger sister. Lucas and oh, wow. Jordan's younger sister, yeah. Um, and she's only 14 or 15. She's born in 2007. And she's got a rating of 2200. She won that with eight out of nine. Absolutely destroyed the field. Uh, there was a, a, an event held alongside that, the uh, English Women's Norm Tournament for uh, English registered players, and that was won by Jan Lau with seven and a half out of nine. And uh, unfortunately, friend of the podcast, Canwell Bartia, came bottom in that. But it just looked like a really, really good event. Uh, two ten-round all players, uh, nine ten-player all players, nine, uh, nine rounds. 
and yeah, successful women's event. Uh, we had Lauren DaCosta, the founder and director of She Plays to Win on last summer for a, for an interview, and it's really good to see that he's, his, his efforts are um, continuing. He is the England women's captain after all. And talking of England captains, uh, we should make note of the death of David Anderton, who was the England sort of team manager in the 80s. And he was the man who had to try and step in to avoid a diplomatic incident when Tony Miles sealed resigns against Portish. Do you remember this uh, this incident, John, where, yeah, there was a... Uh... Just the one where he, they, he waited until the next day to resign. Well, basically he was still in bed he, so Portish has got up early for the resumption of the adjournment but Miles has sealed resigns um, yeah so uh, yeah the Anderton was <laughs> got a, a, a um, thing here from John Nunn uh, second to none was your second to your none thing um I'm during glad. the match against during the match against Hungary, Miles adjourned in a very dubious position against Portish. We started analysing the position in Miles' absence. Suddenly, Miles joined us, saw what we were doing, and advised us not to waste our time as he had sealed resigns. On resumption, <laughs> David Anderton did his best to avoid a diplomatic incident by congratulating Portish on his victory with one hand, while attempting to confiscate Miles' score sheet with his other. However, Portish was not to be denied. He insisted on seeing the sealed move. When the resigns became visible, he just grunted as if he had expected nothing else. This is one of David's few failures as captain. Now, I don't think that's, a, I don't think that's really <laughs> a failure at all. If Portish just wanted to see it as that. But yeah, David Anderton was a, a leading uh, figure in, in English and British chess for a long, long time. Uh, he was president of the British Chess Federation for four years. And a, a, reason, a very reasonable player himself, an international correspondence master. I think his peak V-Day was something in the region of 2270. And yeah, the English and uh, Midlands chess in particular will miss him. So it's David Anderton. We should also note uh, the results from the Reykjavik Open, uh, where I think we are going to talk to a couple of the participants in the next few weeks, are we not? But the event was won by Pragnananda. Uh, who beat his fellow Indian prodigy Gukesh in the last round to win it. So those guys are at the top. So Pragnananda won it with 7.5 out of 9 from, yeah, lots of kids. Um, so Max Varmadam, Mads Anderson, Hjorvar Gretarsson, and the youngest Grandmaster ever, Mishra, came joint uh, second with uh, 7 out of 9. So he's clearly, I mean... All of the we talked about all of the games he played last year. Clearly, he's still very, very active. And uh, yeah, he came he came uh, joint second. There were a couple of other under 16s at the top there. Um, yeah, looks like a good event, but slightly further down. But when uh, first tournament, we should uh, congratulate Lula, Lula, to Lula Roberts on she got three and a half out of nine in her first ever tournament in a an international event and seemed to be having a lot of fun out there. And that was really, really good to see. And uh, yeah, I think we we're going to try and talk to Lula at some point, are we not? She is scheduled in yeah in the next few for the next few weeks, I think, to to come on. So yeah, do listen out for that. And again, congratulations to her. It's a it's one thing going to your first over the board tournament. It's another thing to go to Reykjavik in Iceland and play a nine game tournament 
over however many days it was. So yeah, good on her. And uh, three and a half out of nine is really impressive. Um, and yeah, as I said to her on Twitter, actually, I think she's going to really stand her in good stead going into tournaments in the future. She really threw herself uh, in forward. there. Do you remember your first tournament, Benji? I, I'm not quite sure. Uh, might have been the cent- one of the Central London Congress. Was it the one I, one of the ones I prepared you for? Yeah. 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 The yeah, the, 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 the start and end of your illustrious career as a second. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, I remember my first tournament. William, you've never well, no, you've never played a tournament. You've played matches. You've played. Wow. You've played at four NCL weekends. Been, They're not tournaments. Yeah, that's half a tournament, isn't it? Mm. No, it's different. The, the four NCL no, is different. Yeah, it's not. That's a match. You played matches. Okay. Well, I've just, there we go. I I stand corrected. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a fun experience, eh? My first tournament Playing. was what was my first tournament? I think my first tournament was the mega final in 1996. Uh, when I was mega final six, yeah. I think I won every game. Yeah, dweeb. Yeah, basically, that was fun. Should have been out doing drugs, <laughs> getting with women. When I was six, you know. <laughs> yeah, start early. Start early, finish um, early as well, probably. Yeah. We were going to talk about we were going to talk about snooker. Yeah, let's do that. Let's talk about snooker because I don't think we've talked about snooker on this podcast before, which is maybe a little bit of a, a gap in our repertoire because it feels like snooker and chess are, are, are sort of weirdly similar bedfellows, right? Well, Steve Davis was British Chess Federation president for a few years in the nineties. That's true. Yeah, and Tony Miles was great at snooker, of course. Probably, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there's quite there's quite an overlap in terms of uh, chess and snooker fans, um, and uh, I think John, we've never talked about snooker, but I was I was talking to to Robin, and and Robin's like, oh yeah, I'm a snooker fan, and and so is John, so um, yeah, very much uh, very much a snooker fan. Really love going to um, uh, to Sheffield, uh, to the Crucible. And um, I was thinking, like these, they're, they're both games with a very rich um, historical culture as well, in terms of like you know, uh, champions of the past and things like that. So, yeah, definitely uh, uh, a big, uh, big overlap there. Do you think mm. there's, uh, there's? Can you think of a snooker film? Do you think there's snooker consultants on? <laughs> On, on, <laughs> on films, whenever there's someone like playing, you know, it, there's probably snooker or billiards in Bridgerton, is there not? Billiards, yeah. There's definitely billiards in Bridgerton. Yeah, they must have a billiards consultant. To <laughs> in fact, it might even have been snooker. There's a, maybe a few clips, and I wonder. There's probably snooker podcasts out there going, "Oh, I'm not sure you would ever see that shot being taken." Well, um, the uh, okay, it's not snooker, but um, the Hustler, like brilliant uh, novel and movie by Paul Newman, was written by Walter Tevis of uh, the writer of uh, The Queen's Gambit. Uh-huh. Queen Gambit. So there, there. Like, there we go. Another another connection there. Did they need Is that about yeah. a genius? <laughs> is that about a genius pool player who takes drugs? Uh, it's just yeah, takes drugs and sees the pool table upside down on the ceiling when deciding to make their shots. Um, it's I mean if if those those who have never been never seen the movie, I mean it's just um, it's just fantastic acting by uh, by Paul Newman. I mean just just really uh, really a brilliant movie. How on earth did you get into snooker, Benji? That's a great question. Um, 
I randomly got into into um, what we call English pool. Uh, um, yeah, so you know, on the smaller table, and Red, yellow, uh, dog, I really yeah. fell in love with the game, and I joined the team, and and there uh, within the team, um, I, I really made like lifelong friends, and when you play this, like snooker is the uh, you know the 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 the, the nicest best the final boss exactly um <laughs> and and, and it, it's really hard not to fall in love with the aesthetics of you know the the shininess and 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 the cloth and and the absolute mastery that uh, that uh, people produce uh and then there's also many layers to the game as you get into like you know uh the the strategy and um uh you know it's it's just um uh, it's just uh, i think a, a great game and 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 then it's one that you can also play at a terrible standard and still like you know enjoy playing and and you know you appreciate the the top players even more just like chess <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think um i think snooker players are on drugs aren't they i, I was <laughs> i was once i was once given beta blockers for my nerves uh, when i was during exam season at uni and uh, the the doctor prescribing it said that this is what ch- snooker players use to cheat to, st- to steady their hands. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I don't know if the well, it, but what, what are um, the, the prohibits like uh, beta blockers, right? Definitely, um, that'd be uh, that'd be a, a no go for 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 chess players. And uh, uh, I don't know if um, if the, the 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 snooker federation um, is is a member of uh, of WADA, but uh, I suspect uh, it probably. Yeah, I probably think is. they are. Didn't Ronnie O'Sullivan get done for? Or some, I, I might have to retract. Probably that. got uh, retract that. Many things. Some, <laughs> you just libeled yourself there. No, no, Stephen Lee, wasn't it? Remember Stephen Lee? Yes, got, yes. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I'll, I'll, it was Stephen Lee who done, got done for cocaine and other stuff. I think. Yeah. So they, they, they must have they must have a, a sporting code for substance abuse. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been to a tournament. I used to go to the um, the UK. Masters, I guess it's called. Uh, when it was obviously at the Ali Pali, which is near where you are, Phil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it started out at the Wembley Arena. Well, it did start out there, but it was there for a little while as well. So I went to a few sessions there. Got to see a lot of the good players. Got to see Ronnie O'Sullivan, which is definitely was definitely one for my bucket list. Um, but yeah, really, really enjoy. It's one of those sports that you think would be rubbish to see live, but actually, it's it's brilliant to see live, and I can't really explain why. Um, oh yeah, because yeah, you are just you're just watching a guy play snooker, right? But it's it's really good to sit in the auditorium and sort of focus on it. Well, what struck me at um, at the Crucible is is the tension. You can really feel like on TV, it's like there's a layer of separation. Like they're building a break. You're like, yeah, sure, he's gonna score like you know 110 points or whatever. Like that looks easy from there. But when you're in the room with them, you can see that it's just like you know a lot. A lot more pressure mm-hmm. than um, than it is, and I think that's part of like um, the appeal of uh, of seeing it live. It's just it, it's mm. because the TV camera foreshortens the table, right? So you just don't get an appreciation of just how long a snooker table is and how delicate yeah. they have to be. It looks like the balls are just sort of there, but yeah, it's what twelve foot, twelve foot long. Yeah, um, twelve foot by six. Yeah. So when I was at university, I was uh, it was obviously in Cambridge. It's the home of WTs, which is 
the snooker club started by Willie Thorne, hence the name. But um, in Cambridge, the WT's snooker club is the um, is the club that Neil Robertson uh, plays in, um, or is the is the club pro, whatever they call it, uh, and also Joe Perry as well. So they would have their own tables in that club and would be practicing warming up especially when tournaments were on the on the on the cards and um, so got to see a lot of those guys just practicing and and obviously when they're under no pressure they're just like gods yeah. on the beige um so yeah so yeah it's a really it really was a, a good experience sort of watching him when you're playing i think when you're like you're saying benji when when the tv sort of hermeticizes everything a little bit and makes it hygienic whereas when you're actually stood next to them like on the table adjacent to them and you're trying to make the same kind of shots and failing miserably uh you you really become aware of just how good these guys are it was the same i found at so i went to i did my undergrad at st andrews in scotland obviously the home of golf um and we got to play the 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 courses there um but obviously once in a while you'd have like an open championship and so we would go along and watch them playing the same course that we'd played on and it just gives you a so much better appreciation of what they're doing when you're like okay that guy's hit further in one shot than I would in two uh, and yeah he's it's, it's just incredible sort of having that experience of being able to actually judge the the sort of parameters of what's going on quite nicely yeah just trying, anyway just trying to think of some other equivalents um, which is which is harder for yeah, chess, not many, right? Because for chess, it's really hard to get a true. I mean, at, at my level, mm. a true appreciation of like uh, how much did they put um, in, into a given move is kind of like I really have to be pointed out, uh, you know, all the variation and stuff to to uh, to get a true appreciation of it. I think. Yeah, that's really interesting because. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit actually on, I think it was on the, maybe the Chess Fields podcast when I was on there, is that like theoretically anyone could make the same move that Magnus Carlsen makes in any position, right? Um, and and you might think, oh, you know, that's I've made the move that Magnus Carlsen's done, but for Magnus Carlsen it would be a better move because of all of these other reasons that we can't see. So I find that, that aspect of chess quite fascinating as well. Yeah, it's like... Um which 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 we said like if you play one e four and Magnus plays one e four is Magnus's one e four a better move than yours? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question because presumably that so many so many of the computer evaluations are based on like really competent players, right? Could you not make a computer model which sort of modelled for NAF players, <laughs> and then you could argue like one e four actually may be a bad move for for a player what, of my um, standard. That's what Maya does, right? Um, right, yeah. And we talked a little bit about this with Nate Solon, actually. The the fact that, obviously, a computer model is always just taking the best-case scenario in every situation and telling you that's the route to go down. But it doesn't give you the sense of, like, actually, when you look at the, the, the tree of possibilities, there might be a better route for a lower-ranked player to go down than the the best possible um, route for a computer. Yeah, but anyway, it's always what I'm trying to do as a coach, is just to try and teach practical play. Um and then a student might come to me and go, yeah, the computer wants me to do this. I'm like, well, that's not very human, is it? Like, don't kick your... I mean, that's it's, it's part of the thing of trying to encourage my students to not worry too much sometimes when a, a move is suggested that's part of, like, move one of, like, an eight-move combination that gives you, like, 0.1 over the, the practical choice. And, yeah, as long as you're keeping everything under control, generally that's okay. 
Yeah. Um, That's uh, Pasco's uh, trading method as well. Uh, shoot out to friend of the pod, uh, Pasco Rapacci. Uh, so Blaze Pascal. Take <laughs> Bla- also a friend of the pod. Um, <laughs> all the French philosophers are friends of the pod. Um, <laughs> where you just set up, uh, for example, all your main uh, uh, openings, right? So, for example, if you're an E4 player, like set up like a, a French, a Sicilian, uh, E4, E5, and so on, and and then play from that position against the Maya bot on lead chess, and that will give you really like the 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 training game with the most you know uh human like uh continuation and like okay if you can do that the, the maya bots are not like you know ultra ultra strong if you can like you know exploit strategically these then like i think you've got like a great understanding and that's that's really nice to patch your repertoire how does maya work in that sense does it does it look at your rating and play accordingly or does it look at your moves and play accordingly as you're going through the yeah, game yeah just the moves yeah but you've got um You've got several bots, I think three different strengths. So um, you you can play against the the better ones, or you can walk your way through. Um, uh, so you uh, on Lishes, you can uh, you you set on the board, and then you can like continue against uh, uh, against the bot. I mean, it's it's easy to 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 set up for people who want to do it. Uh. Well, good stuff. I feel as though we've we've reached an end. Um, I, we could have probably rambled on all day about various things, but I've really enjoyed it yeah, today. Um, Benji, it's been great having you on as always. No doubt we'll have you on again in the future. Uh, what's what's the best way for our listeners to catch your stuff that you're putting out? Uh, yeah, I, I give me a give me a follow um, on Twitter at uh, AllingMadBenji for the chess memes and at Benji Porto for like all the performance coaching uh, uh, chess uh, and science related so yeah and good luck spending spelling Porto <laughs> if you're writing that <laughs> that's out. why yeah. that's why I don't have many followers people desperately try to <laughs> to find me uh, on Twitter should we do some Rockbusters <laughs> answers let's see some Rockbusters answers okay Right, the first one. I don't know if I've got any for you. These are well, these are French chess terms. Let's see. Okay, the first century, G. So I'm guessing that G might stand for guard. Yeah. So a chess so, term that. Why the why yeah. the first century? Oh, is it guard on pre? No. No. What's it called? Bonji. No. Yeah, I don't know. What's the French chess term that begins with guard? Gardenor. <laughs> no? I, I feel like I, I should know. <laughs> I should know that. Oh, but it's a massive, epic fail. Garde. The first century. Guard A. Garde. <gasps> Benji, Bonji. What does that mean? Bonji, qu'est-ce As in, like, guarded, as in protected. Well, yeah, just the garde. So it's from the French um, garde la reine, um, protect the queen. It was a, oh. a, a a a term from the 19th century where basically check you have now for attacking the king. You had it for the queen as well. So you'd oh. have to warn your opponent that you're attacking the queen. You had to announce. Yeah, it. Yeah, that was a thing from. That's the, very gentlemanly, that was a isn't thing it? From the 19th century, but yeah, garde. Uh, okay, second one. We had a real mouthful. T and the uh, construction of the clue here is also in French. As in, it's French words. Mm. 
construction of the solution. Sorry. To la bouche. So you've got the you've got one of the words. Bouche. Yeah. True. Well, Benji, what's what's the translation of mouthful into French? Boucher. Yeah. Trebuchet. Trebuchet. Yeah. Trebuchet. Which is a a um, a position of mutual zugzwang in chess. It's called a trebuchet. Also, a medieval siege weapon. Yes. So there we go. Um, okay, those were the sort of rookbusters en français. Sets the men. So we'll see if anyone got that at home, if you did well done. I think they're very gettable. I didn't know the word garde, and uh, I've never heard trebuchet used in that concept before. But Yeah, they're good stuff. Um, certainly better than Robin's brain busters, whatever <laughs> they were. I didn't get them. <laughs> no one got them um, but that does bring us Ruined to the end of this podcast um, as always thanks to our sponsors Playfair Capital Playfair Capital is one of London's leading venture capital funds and here we are at the end of another hour of fun all there is for me to do is to say thank you very much to Benji thank you Benji Merci beaucoup. thank you Phil salut Oh, that'll do. <laughs>